0: Welcome to the Coaching Matters podcast brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters Podcast. Super excited for today. Excited to introduce my friend Greg Owen. He's one of the top high school baseball coaches I've ever worked with is a state championship winning coach in the state of Mississippi. He's currently the head athletic director at Starkville High School in Mississippi, which is right down the street from Mississippi State University, one of the powerhouse schools in all of the state of Mississippi, one of the top high school athletic programs, really at the high school level in the entire country. And Coach Owen, very involved with the abca the american baseball coaches association and one of the top coaches that i've ever been around and had the privilege to work with in his team when it comes to building the mental game into what you do in practice every day, practice organization, and really player development through quality practice. So tonight, Coach Owen is going to talk with us about uh, practice planning and developing great practices as as a high school coach. Now, he comes from a baseball background, but tonight will be applicable to all coaches, baseball or not, as well as our Coaching Matters uh, reps who are a part of the auxiliary staff within programs so you can help those coaches be the best that they can be so we can all help our student athletes have that best educational athletic experience to prepare them to not only be successful in their sport but to be successful in life coach greg owen man it is a privilege and an honor to get you here with us on the coaching matters group coaching program thank you for being here man thanks buddy it's always good to be here yeah i'm excited to have you join us and you know super excited to have you kind of break down uh practice planning and and doing that with us here tonight
1: all right well let's go ahead and get started first of all hello everybody Hey, I'm Greg. Um, I've been coaching high school baseball and, and serving as athletic director for 27 years now. And so when Brian and I got together and we started talking about what we could do and what we wanted to do different, um, you know, we, we just kind of settled on practice planning um, because of the experience, I guess, and planning practices every day, t- planning teaching lessons in the classroom. And then now being able to go over all across, you know, sports across um, our whole district here and looking at practice schedules and just seeing in what what we can do to fine-tune not just one sport um, although mine is specific or more so baseball we're going to try to look at it across the board and and give uh hopefully give everybody maybe 10 good things um, that you can take away and draw from uh, from just some concepts with a practice organization um hey brian before we go before we start man i'd love to just give a shout out for i i, I can't remember the name but a couple of weeks ago on the on the grayscale phone man oh, yeah. oh my gosh brian i've been doing it um ever since and during this during my day during my work day it totally takes you yeah. off of wanting to be on it i
0: love it I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my phone and i'm gonna hit the side button three times and i'm gonna turn it gray like like just like that so thank you matt Morse, on our last I think it was our, maybe our last or two previous uh, Coaching Matters group coaching programs where we talked about hyper optimization of your work environment. And again, if you've not seen that or you missed any of the calls that we did from season one of Coaching Matters, after this call, we'll make sure we email you a link to this call as well as all of the podcast episodes and the YouTube videos so that you can follow along with any of those great episodes. So Greg, I'm excited you, you referenced that one with Matt Morris, man, that was a good one for sure.
1: Oh yeah, yeah it was, it's been good for me. Um, So, hey, as as always, anytime I go to a clinic, I want to get one good thing. But I'm hoping you guys uh, can gain a couple more than that um, as we go through this. When I was a coach, I just kind of was kind of thinking back. And I think some of the biggest difference makers as a coach was I was always eager to go learn. Um, It didn't matter. And and I absolutely no disrespect by any of this, but it didn't matter if it was a mother trying to teach a softball player how to hit. If I saw it, I was stopping. I wanted to learn. She may say something that I've never heard before. So I think that was a a big part of us and our success through the years is that we always, you know, we picked up so many things from other coaches. So I'm indebted to so many people. I just want to say thank you to all of those guys, too. Um, And then real quick on just serving as an athletic director. I think it's important to know, you know, kind of like, I, I guess, understanding your why. I think I'm here now as an athletic director based on a couple of things. I never thought I'd get through coaching. I never thought I'd finish coaching, and I loved it. But over the course of 20 20 plus years, I started, my my desire started a little bit, you know, it started changing from wanting to teach the ground ball play or wanting to teach driving the ball oppo. And it really became what are we doing all in our practices and building unity? and, and the core values and everything that we're doing in our practice, man, every, all these other teams aren't getting it. Mm-hmm. So it meant it, it Brown, it created a passion in me that I wanted to see other teams do what we were doing. So I, you know, I guess, uh, you know, guys started changing my heart. I started, started, I don't know why I started enjoying budgets and looking at numbers and across the board, stuff like that. And, um, and seeing the big picture. And uh, anyway, that's kind of why. i I guess my route of 27 years, and it's kind of where I'm at now. Um, you know, in the in, I've always said this too. In the 70s, I think you know my. I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge in the 70s, but I, from when looking back, I think you could really win with great coaching in the 70s, maybe early 80s. And then right there in that early 80s time frame, it became the weight room. And man, if you were if you had great coaching and your teams were in the weight room, you were going to win. And then it kind of, you know, it shifted. Everybody had great coaches. Everybody, everybody, could, everybody was lifting. What was the difference, Makers? People started teaching character development. Now most of your schools are doing that. What's the difference? The difference mm-hmm. now is the mental game. Mm-hmm. It, it's 100%. Um, it's, the, it's the edge that we get. Um, so that started with me and you around 2008, I think, Brian. Yeah, a while remember. ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. It's been a good journey. Um, But in saying that, let me uh, let me share my screen. Yeah, let's see.
2: Well, hold on. Go here. There we go.
0: We're getting there bro so go joan as you're troubleshooting that you know i once again want to recognize our, our fundraising university and owner mike bahoon is the official sponsor for the coaching matters group coaching program and fundraising university is looking to team up with members of our coaching matters community for three main roles franchise owners to run a franchise in your local territory corporate reps to run fran- fundraising university fundraisers in your territory and ambassador coaches who have contacts with coaches or clubs and are looking to bring Fundraising University to those programs and receive a percentage of, of those fundraisers. So if you're interested, click on the link here inside of our chat. Go to Join the Mission for more information. Apply and one of our Fundraising University team members will get back with you here in the next couple of days to help you uh, learn more about what the right position is for you. Coach Owen, do you need some help with the, with the uh, share with the screen share? think I got there we it. Go. Oh, you got it, man. Let's go. All right. We go. So hey. you, hit, you hit the present button on there and we're off and running. Just in time. Here we go. We there? Here we go. Yeah, we're there. We got it live and clear here, buddy. So 10 practice planning concepts. Fire me up. Let's roll. All right. Let's go here. All right, concept one,
1: the MVP process. You know, I don't think you can do anything as far as practice planning, or it doesn't matter if you're running a corporation or if you're running a a school or if you're running a bit, you know, it doesn't matter, a sports team. I think it really comes down to um, your core values and who you are. So, you know, for us, Brian, it's the MVP process, mission, vision, and core principles. Um, You know, it was a long time ago when I was at another school, uh, our acronym or our our mascot was the Wildcats. Uh, Our guys came into the room and they they kind of they determined who we were for the for the longevity of that program. And they're forever known now as cats. So if you break cats down into an acronym, the two the C is for two. We had to give it two. its character and compete. We wanted to be men of character. All right. And then in, in doing that, our choices, we know that we're going to have choices in life. So everything that we do reflects back to this analogy or this um, E plus R equals O. And I got that all backwards there, don't I, Brian? Anyway, it's, it's E plus R equals O. Wow. Um, we're going to have events that happen in our life all the time. They're going to be good things and there's going to be bad things. But it's not the event that determines the outcome it's your response. So we, mm-hmm. our guys really bought into that. You know, we may have a bad call, but that's not going to determine our at-bat, or we may have a bad, something that happens in our life. That's not going to determine who we are. It's going to be our out. It's going to be our response that determines that outcome. Then we wanted to be competitors. So we, our guys chose C. All right. We kind of rallied around win the moment, Win as an acronym is what's important now. So it's the idea of when I'm in the classroom, that's what's important now. It's everything that the teacher has given me, everything that I'm pouring back into the class. Um, it doesn't matter if you're on the practice field, what's important. To win the moment, you have to know what's important right now. All right? And then 1%. We want to be number one in all we do. That's competition. So if we're going to be number one, you break O-N-E down into an acronym. That's only need everyone. So if we're going to be number one, we need everyone, we need everybody on the team to be all in as one. And then to get 1% better, we're 14 minutes, 24 seconds of the day. What are we doing different as a team to be different than anybody else, you know, to get us to to where we can measure 1% growth? The attitude, um, they chose that because they wanted to play the game with an attitude. If you take A and you say A equals one, you give B two and C equals three, you know, you got hard work, you've got dedication, all those equal up to about 97, 96%. But if you take the word attitude and you give it those um, numbers, it equals up to 100 So we knew that if we could give the right attitude every day in practice or the right attitude in life, we're going to be 100%. Time. Um, you know, our guys always joked with me on our practice schedules because I reminded them every day, I think there's 86,400 seconds in a day. You're either investing or spending. Mm-hmm.
0: So every day at
1: practice we had to invest so that we could spend what we invested in the game. Um, you know, our practice schedules were down to a minute um, of every little detail that we wanted to do. We stayed we stayed on that practice schedule um, as best as we could because we valued not only our time in practice, but their time after practice. And then selfless, the last one of our core values, we we stuck with the acronym family. If you break family down into that, it's forget about me. I love you. And therefore, anything that we do, we're going to make our teammates more important than we are. The team is more important than us. Now, once you get your your core values, now everything that you do in your corporation, in your, your business, your team, your organization, it doesn't matter. It all reverts back to your uh, core values to your MVP process, um, and you—you you know, Brian, you helped us with that a long time ago, and gave us a map, a, a blueprint for how to go through each one of our challenges.
0: Greg, let and me that, ask you a question before, before. Uh, a question. How how has the MVP process for you tra- transitioned from being a high school coach to being a high school athletic director? How have you used those differently? Well, you know, when we set them as a when I set them as a team, when I was up with the baseball
1: team, it was our players. Now, what I've done here, or we are in the process of doing, we've started a group called SALT, which is our student-athlete leadership team. We have two to three players from every team, and part of what we're doing throughout this summer is coming up with our core values. Who are we? And in doing that, what I'm trying to do is what we're going to do is we're going to pull in community people, former players from all of our sports, administrators, coaches, teachers, players, community. We want everybody, we're going to come together and find out exactly who it is that we are and what we stand for. And then everything we do is going to be reflected back to that.
0: Love that. I love that. I love that collaborative effort, right? So it's not like you coming in as the athletic director saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. It's you coming in and being the conductor who's going to say, hey, what what, what do you all over here as parents? What do you think the, the athletic department should be about? In the community, what do you guys think? Athletes, what do you think? Coaches, what do you think? And as the conductor, you're moving all these people like an orchestra to get together on the same page so that they can make music, which is the great student-athlete experience.
1: That's right. Because if it's mine, it's only my buy-in. You know, but you got to have buy-in from everybody
0: yeah yeah and a great great take home for our leaders and coaches on this is that people don't get down on what they're in on right if you're in on creating something you don't get down on it because you were part of creating it so mm-hmm. the more ownership that people feel from creating that and if you're a program that runs let me ask you this coach so if you if you were running cats as your core principles for your program and you did that for you know last 10 years of your coaching program you weren't changing the acronym cats every year you kept it the same that's right. So so the year one, when you built it, you've got those four classes of students that are there. What about in year five? How did you go back? And now, none of these students knew where this necessarily came from unless you taught them. So would you teach them every year or give them an opportunity to come back to it? How would you kind of reinforce it every year?
1: So the way we were, we reinforced it was we said that, look, guys, before you got here, a foundation was laid. This is who we are. So if you're going to you, you know, once you come into this. this team, this is who we represent. So everything that we do, whether it's when we're out on a date with our girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, depending on sport that you're in, whether it's you're uh, at church, whether you're at school, whether you're competing, these are the things that we expect you to be a part of if you're going to be part of this team. So it was a total buy-in. You know, your core values, your mission, your vision, those things never change. The only things that change is maybe a saying or a slogan for your year. And I'll kind oh, of get into that in a little bit, too.
0: Perfect. Sorry, I'll, keep, I'll be quiet. You keep going, buddy.
1: Oh, man, no, please. Anytime. So this was kind of what we did there. So you just kind of see we broke it down into on the, on the left. It's how are we going to live it out in the school, the community, nutrition and recovery, uh, mental conditioning, baseball, personal. It was all every, every phase of your life is important about it. And then the other thing you asked is, how does it affect me? When you teach this every day, it changes who you are as a person. That's what I've enjoyed about it. Um,
0: It's changed me. All right. Well, come back to that, Coach. That's not a a point that I hear people make very often, but I think is extremely valuable. You said when you teach this every day, it changes you. Unpack that a little bit. All right. So, for instance, if
1: we're going to teach our guys the mental idea of you don't have to, you get to, right? Mm -hmm. If that's something we're teaching every day, then you start to believe that. So you start changing your own perspective of I don't have to get up and go to work tomorrow I've got the opportunity to get up and go to work tomorrow um, My kids always ask me daddy do we do we have to go to church no baby we don't have to but we do get the opportunity and we're going to make the most of it every Sunday um, so that, and they know um, it, it changes who you are it's um, when you talk about control the controllables you know when things come up at in life, or in your work, or in your, whatever it is, if it's out of your control, when you've taught this every day, it becomes easier to handle it yourself, you start totally living, I'll tell you another thing is, um, we always talked about when you're at bat, you know, when, when in baseball, when you're at bat is over, your gloves come off, well, you know, when the game is over, you leave it at the field, so therefore, I mean, it was always easy to leave it, because you're teaching your kids all that, you're teaching them every day about that. So yeah, it changes who you are as a person, Brian.
0: And you have to model it. Right. And I think this is something that I picked up from Steve Smith and he was the baseball coach at Baylor. He had a sign on the back of his door that said, athletes need a model to see, not a motto to say. And I always wanted to go to his door and and I actually asked him if I could do this. And he, he agreed with it. And we put a little piece of tape over that says, you know, athletes need a model to see, not a motto to say, and I changed it to be not the word, not, but, and. So athletes need a model to see and a motto to say, because words create pictures and they have a very powerful influence, the power of our words, right? So just something like, as you're sitting here listening to this to say, I don't have to, I want to. I don't have to, I get to. That little change of words is massive when it comes to the mindset and the energy that it creates, but that's a motto. But then they also need to see the model of the person who's living that, because I think a lot of what we do in athletics is it's, it's caught more, more than taught. Like they're gonna see you living out of process. They're gonna see you controlling the things you can control. They're gonna see you being selfless and how you manage your time and how you respect their time and get, out of, get them out of there on time. You're going to, they're gonna see how you live with character and you pick your, your response to the events. So that's modeling what you want them to do with cats. And if they can see that model in you and they know what to say and that they know it, then you got the winning formula, I think coach.
1: That's right, that's right. Um, you know, in in this uh, and and another thing on that, it was great to say late in the ball game or just any pressure situation that you get to yell out to your player, "Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to come through, but you get to. Man, mm. you've earned the right to be here." You know, that's mm. comforting to me. Um, and kind of looking at practice, some of these practice organizations and things, I was I've got a, a schedule pulled up, and you know, this probably wouldn't seem. Like um, I guess that big of a deal here, Um, but the mental uh, grids—if you'll see it from one twenty-five to one thirty-five. So pretty much daily, what we would do, or the mental grids, came from you, Brian. But it's a way—it was a way for our guys to leave the locker or to leave the classroom and enter into the locker room with um, with a mind shift. You know, Mm -hmm. it's time to shift now into a different deal. Um, well, I thought it was going to be a next one. Let's see, little little uh, little note to uh, our Ole Miss Rebels, huh? Here,
0: yeah. So and funny, funny the, funny the Ole Miss baseball. I think I think they're, they're playing at four o'clock. I think they're on right now, right on, in Omaha. So um, you know, <laughs> you and I got connected through the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss baseball, and you know the, the the core principles. How about this? So the core principles in the College World Series right now of Ole Miss baseball, their core principles are Rebs, relentless excellence belief and selfless And coach mike bianco when we started working there back in 2009 he took pictures that he felt like resembled how about this resembled excellence resembled selfless and he put the definition of them below and he had these up inside of their inside of their locker room right and and they would see it relentless excellence belief and selfless he would talk about it every day they had four different colored t-shirts it would be their practice t-shirts and you'd see the word on the back right if you if you watch that if you watch old miss watch texas a and m college baseball play old miss is on right now against uh arkansas and a m is playing tomorrow at two o'clock eastern against notre dame you're gonna see a lot of what we're talking about in this with the, the mental game in action from those two teams they're two of my current clients i'm like as i'm as i'm on this call right now coach lost was is texting me about about getting on with one of his guys tonight so um you know, it's exciting to see that they're they're doing this. So pretty funny that we're having this call right now, Greg, and you being a Mississippi high school state champion and AD and Ole Miss is playing right now. So pretty cool, man. I appreciate you taking time with the game on pause to do this. Oh yeah, man.
1: Um, This right here, I don't know if you're going to be able to see it, but uh, well, there it went. Um, That was a... At- go back to concept two. What's concept number two? Pre-planning. Thank you. Let me see if I can go back to that. Oh, here we go. There we go. So concept two is pre-planning. All right. So... Well, in baseball, what we would do is, and I know it's hard to see, but we would detail everything that could happen in a ball game. And then during the course of the year, we want to make sure that we've covered each one of those topics, each one of those things that can happen in a game at every time we've covered it in practice, we're going to date it. So Mm -hmm. it was just a little checkpoint system for us to know if we ever got, if anything ever happened to us in a game, we wanted to know that we had covered it. Um, and then, let's see. All right, use of video. I um, believe it, this is that. It, Brian, it's a little out. I think out of line, but I'm gonna go ahead and play it anyway. Okay. Yep. This kind of goes with um, with video. You, the use of video, concept three. Use of video. See if I can get it to go here.
2: I'm so fat, you Brendan, You're not fat. It's the shirt. Is that Look it? At it? His true classic is tight around the chest
0: and shorter.
2: The feel of this turf, the smell of grass, that power strikeout that you get, that hit that's a hard line drive, single dispersion, you remember. It starts right now.
0: Can you go full screen on that, Greg?
2: Is a school and a community known for baseball. This is a tradition. You now have the ability to build a legacy. No one has ever, ever won a state championship. This is about us. It's totally about us. It's not about our opponent, it's about these teammates. You practice for this, you put the time in for it, no yesterday, no tomorrow, it's now. You guys want this. It's about respecting your parents, respecting the name on that jersey, making sure this community understands just how much you love being here, how much you love playing here, and more importantly, how much you love being together. You never wanted to never. This is what you remember 40 years from now, 50 years from now you don't even know you're going to be there and then all of a sudden you're start talking about baseball and all of a sudden you become young again. you're going to talk about the games you played and who you played with you're making yourself a memory and with that memory you're making us something that's going to last forever. You don't go home until you want to go home it is about us and only us hmm
1: so, Brian, that's a high school coach, in, in at Minnetonka High School, Paul Twingy, in um, in Minneapolis, um, just the power and the use of of video.
2: Let me see if I can get Our off of that now. I was looking to repeat that section. The feel of this turf. Let's get off of that. Well.
1: There you go. There go. You're back. We go. We're back. All right. I know we have some uh, some other sports and other coaches. It's our football team from where I came from last school. They're, they're saying this year is everything matters, right? So one thing that they're doing every day, and it kind of is something that we used to do too, was using two-minute, two- to three-minute video clips before practice. So every day they're going to have something that goes along with what they believe in.
3: You know, one of the things that we're really trying to establish that we talked about before is, you know, to me, everything starts with discipline. Uh, I don't care if it's how you do flex. I don't care if it's how you run across the field, how you do karaoke, how you do high knee pumps, how you do up downs. Uh, If you don't respect that enough to do it right when you know that's the right way to do it, um, how are you going to be trusted in the game to do what you're supposed to do? Because I think discipline is a mindset that's a part of who you are. Uh, so it's how you live your life. Uh, it's how you do everything that you do, whether it's how you focus in a meeting, uh, how you get ready to practice, how you ha- and how you can sustain practice and uh, make the right choices and decisions. And, you know, it goes kind of back to what are you willing to accept? Um, not really what you say. It's not even what you do sometimes. It's what are you willing to accept from yourself and what are you willing to accept from your teammates? You know, Brian, I
1: think we're really missing out if um, if we're not using.
3: You know, one of the things
1: I think we're really missing out if we're not using video. I think it was two thousand and two, my first year at the ABCA, and um, I got to hear Skip Bertman, you know, kick it off, and he mm-hmm. did the whole deal on using video, the power of using video. I mean, that was in two thousand and two. Um, but I think the just the power you know, of that of the things is, are... well, it keeps coming back.
0: Well, the other thing is that, you, you know, you, you'd you probably never get Nick Saban to be able to come speak to your high school team because it'd probably be some kind of NCAA violation, right? Yeah. However, you can get Nick Saban to talk to your team when you want, how, for however long you want, because most of what he's ever going to say would be on a YouTube clip. You just have to work to find it. And you don't even have to work that hard. You just have to go into YouTube you know, and type them. in Nick Saban discipline, Nick Saban mental toughness, Nick Saban teammate, Nick Saban, uh you know one play at a time and you're going to find him or bill belichick or someone talking about it so you can use those with your team man that's awesome greg i love that now concept three was use of video what was concept four
1: go back to that here
0: all right we got pre-planning yep video video. we're going right to concept five let's go love it (laughs) perfect all good let's roll good Good.
1: All right, locker right, four will probably come in here in a minute. Locker room, locker room entry. Um, I think it's sometimes we overlook that, you know. Um, for us, I know our guys, um, they have to come into a clean and organized place. And um, the way we did, the way we always did it with our guys, is we just we divided them up. Um, I put one or two this year. During this year, I had two players per time, per day. And <clears throat> they did everything. You see on the bottom, we sweep the floor, clean the sinks, the mirrors. We mop, clean the urinals, you name it. At, at the end of every day, the locker room is going to be spotless. Um, I remember at one point um, I had a parent come to me and say, you know, my, my son doesn't. They don't clean toilets. And I said, yes, ma'am, I understand. And they don't have to clean toilets, but if they're going to play for the, you know, for the Wildcats here, they're going to have to clean a toilet because we we're going to take care of our area. And so anytime you came in our locker room, you know, when you would come, uh, it was spotless. It smelled good. It looked good. It was clean. So that's one of the, just one of the things, Um, you know, you look here on the left and uh, that's just not too inviting, kind of, kind of wreaks uh, havoc on you before you even come in versus here on the right. Um, Another thing, go ahead.
0: No, it's good, man. It's really good. And such it's such a such a simple concept, right? Where you're talking about the job list. I mean, that was I went from playing baseball at the University of Vermont to coaching baseball at Cal State Fullerton. So they're both division one, but you go from, you know, one of the best teams in college baseball at the time, like the team of the decade, I think in the two thousands. And that was one of the first things that Coach Horton had with the 55 guys or so we had in camp. Every guy had a job list that they executed every day at the end of practice. And I, I thought that was eye-opening to me that every day when practice was done. The place looked exactly the same from a routine standpoint. Every cage is where it was supposed to be. Every net was where it was supposed to be. The dugouts were swept. The garbage cans were emptied. Like everything was left the way it was supposed to be. So when you came in the next day, it was consistent and always the same. And I thought that was really cool from a process, teaching ownership, and just a consistency standpoint.
1: That's right. And then the other thing, you know, they come – I don't know how it is across the nation, but in our schools, I I don't – you know, they're just not getting everything they need to eat at a school lunch. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the other thing about being in that locker room and getting ready for our practice is we're going to – we always had every single day a peanut butter and jelly ready for them to go. Every player, it, it was ready to go. And then, of course, you know, we had water and then we had some protein bars. And then occasionally – I'm going to lie. We didn't have fruit every day. But occasionally we're going to have a little fruit tray or some or banana there for them to grab too. I just think that's important, too, in getting your practice kicked off right. Um, and then, you know, this is what we were talking about earlier um, with the grids. When they come in, just an example here of the grids and what we would do, I thought was kind of, you know, you gave us this a long time, long time ago, and it was the idea of I'm going to create a routine for how I go and find my numbers. I'm either going to go up and down and find them or left to right, whatever your system is. You have to stick to it. And, and what we kind of talk, talk to our guys about is, you know, if we're, if we're playing a, a team and they've got a guy who the pitcher lives on the outer half the whole game and he's never going to challenge you in. And then all of a sudden in the, in the first inning, he's gone in twice. We're not going to ditch our plan. We're not going to panic right now in the first inning. We're going to stick to our plan because we know over time it's going to be better for us. So, our guys would time themselves. Well, we would time them. And at the end, after they find zero, zero, and then zero, one, all the way through 99, you get a time. So, they're not competing against anybody else in that room except themselves, their level of mental capacity, their level of focus. And so, that this is what we do daily after they leave the classroom and come into the locker room. Their deal is they come into a clean locker room, they get grab something to eat. They see the practice schedule on the on the uh, boards all across the locker room. They know what they're doing. We do our grid and we go out to practice. Now with your grid, you're going to be you're going to be after about you know several weeks. It's going to get a little stale, so you have to spice it up a little bit. You know, you turn in some. You maybe start talking to them while they're trying to do the grid, or you uh, you turn on the TV with some static. Hmm. Or maybe some music and then my all-time favorite is you bring the um you make sure you have plenty of supervision in the locker room and you bring in the cheerleaders and they walk around you know and they're they're just you know patting the guys on the back of their they're trying to focus so it's the idea that you're locked in we loved it it was great yeah
0: you bring, bring an audio recording of a screaming 14 week old that'll get them going too <laughs> <laughs> you've got that on hand huh Oh yeah. Yeah. I can dial that up for you real quick.
1: All right. Concept six, practice flow, just kind of the flow of the practice. When I the way every practice would end for us, Brian, is is while the guys were cleaning the, the locker room, me and the uh, the assistants are going to sit there and we're going to talk about what is it that we want to do tomorrow. Um, and then after that, it's it's now time to I got to start thinking of how we're gonna put the puzzle together. And these are just things that I think that are important to ask. You know, you got players and coaches are going to arrive possibly at different times. What do you want those players to do? What can you do with maybe limited coaches in the beginning and all of your players or vice versa at the end of practice? How do you want your groups to flow between pin work? If you've got multiple groups going on, maybe you've got a softball pitcher working on some pin work, uh, you know, you, when is she going to do middle infield play or, or whatever sport it is. Um. Uh, what, what do we need to make sure that we get in before weather? So I'm looking at that the night before. Do we need to limit the throws of, of multi-positional players? Um, <clears throat> and then what groups do I want each player to be in? Because I didn't always want the players in the same groups. I may have a reason why I want this player to be with a different player tomorrow. Um, how are we going to incorporate the weight room? In, in with our sport, and uh, when I coached baseball, our goal was always 95 to 115 lifts in a season, depending mm-hmm. depending on how far we went in the playoffs. And we lift, we pretty much lift for a bulk pretty much all year. We didn't do a light in-season workout. Our Mondays and Wednesdays were heavy, and our Saturdays were light. Um, so for, uh, for workouts. And then this was one of my favorites, maybe something that uh, – maybe grab some nuggets from here in your practice planning, teach them. This is the mental game right here in practice. What adversity do I want to make them fight through in tomorrow's practice? Maybe, we're, maybe you're up big or down big in a scrimmage, you know, because we tend to play differently in those situations. we got to learn to play the game the same way. Maybe it's a bunch scrimmage and it's first to score. Right or I I give them. I make my shortstops wear each other's gloves. They're uncomfortable. They got a different glove. That's okay. So what? Deal with it. Right or maybe it's a sunny day and you know sometimes players forget their shade. So we better learn how to play without them. Um, We would ask that you know when we had umpires come in and work our scrimmages. I might ask a certain umpire to call 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 a Mm. little bad for this team or or maybe this guy you know he's 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 having a hard time dealing with adversity and calls so let's go ahead and ring him up a couple of times and see how he reacts so we you know we're going to incorporate that stuff the mental part of that and then this was this was kind of a neat one this I stumbled on this one time as a joke but I started using it you know you have a friend that none of your players know let him come in town about every 3 or 4 years let him come in town and act like a scout oh my god you'll have the best practice of I mean, the, the guys will be balling all practice. And then, you know, you bring them in at the end and you're like, man, you know, something was different. And, you know, they talk about the scout and then you let them know, well, that's just a buddy from high school. He was here and um, you know, they thought he was a scout. And then you talk about, why did that change your level of play? Why did the fact that you thought somebody was here to see you play change? You, you, your, your level of play should never change. Um, those are just things, kind of some things we would do different sometimes in practice. I never was personally smart enough to use a template. I just couldn't – I never couldn't make them work. Um, this is one of our – this is our high school baseball team here in Starkville, the Yellow Jackets. This is uh, one of their practice plans. This would be an example of our football, um, really good football program here in Starkville. And um, this is uh, Coach Jones, one of his practice plans here, another template. Again, I just I couldn't do them. Um, I think it's important in the, in the practice flow, like what we were talking about, in game day scheduling as well. Who's going to handle what before the ball game? As you see here, we've got everything going out for BP before the game. We've got everything that during the game that can happen. It's taken care of so that on game day, I don't have any questions. Um, here, again, this would be more like my practice schedules. Um, I wanted to make sure that every coach was detailed, every player was detailed. They knew exactly where to go, when to go. Managers knew what to do. Um, if you'll see here in highlighted, um, you know, we've got the um, Arnold, Davis, and Fox are all carrying out a bucket of balls. You know, we've got the small ball machine and the cords and managers, so on. So everybody knew a job, and it had to get done, you know, so that our practice could flow. <clears throat> uh, here again, we've got uh, – this was just a way that we warmed up. You know, I've I watched a long time, Brian, the, the old circle stretch in the outfield, and, and, and I just couldn't handle it anymore a long time ago. So we changed that to an active uh, rotational type of getting loose and getting ready. So here we've got a rotation of crunches, med ball twist, uh, some, some throws, some empty cans for, and tubing, and then ladders and hurdles, just stuff to get the heart rate up, get it going. Again, practice flow. When I was, when I was a younger coach, I can remember coming in and assigning ten drills for everybody to do. Oh, my goodness. You know, after a while, you start realizing. So this would be a list of our kids in 2011. Um, in 2011, where we had each detail, we had each hitter detailed on the things that they needed. So anytime we went to individual drills, we knew and they knew their their you know what they needed. So it was specific to a player. Communication. Brian, I learned, brother, that uh, communication is not what I say. <clears throat> communication is what you hear me say. We were um, we were practicing, a long, you know, when I first started coaching and we were practicing, getting going pretty good, I felt like we had been teaching the game pretty dang good and we were in a scrimmage. And I gave my kid, you know, the hit and run, gave him the signs, hit and run, and bam, he did it. It was perfect. I thought, yes, man, we're, we got this. We know. He gets to third, and he said, uh, Coach, I, I don't know why you always give me the hit and run. You know I'm going to run after I hit the ball. Yeah, so at that point, um, I knew uh, I knew we had some work to do. knew we had some work to do. So in our, in our, commu- in our communication after games, Brian, we, we kind of kept the emotion out of it. I know a lot of these things keep going back to your stuff, but we had everything that we did in a game was based on what we believed in. So we believed in the freebie war. So after a ball game, this is all, we're going to got about three or four charts that we're going to talk about at the end of every ball game. And it's not going to be emotional. It's going to be, these are the things we did good. These are the things we need to improve on. This is why we win. And this is why we learn. So right, you know, right here, we're on the, uh, the freebie chart, right here. We're looking at barrels. How many times do we hit the ball hard? We can't control the outcome of the ball, but we can control getting a great swing off. So we're going. We're going to look at barrels, quality at bats. Um, we're trying to be sixty-one percent quality at bats, and we know that if we can get to sixty-one percent in a game, we got a great chance of winning the ball game. Then, um, um, <clears throat> well, on there also was. Um, I thought. Let me see. It. Did I not see it there? Yeah, right here on the bottom, base two. So that was the other part of our um, of our charting. We knew that if we get three out of five, so you got you got B A S E and two. Still, <clears throat> so we can get three out of the five. We know we got a great chance to win. So then we have charts, you know, at the end of the game, and we look on the games we won, pretty much. High percentage of the times we're not we're ninety percent or higher, when we have three three of the five or more.
0: All right. A um, question came in, Coach. He said, uh, "What did you use to define quality at bat?" All right, I got you right here. It's um,
1: so. If you look over here on the right side, let me see if I can. Uh, there we go. Yeah. So for us, it was hard hit ball. A walk, a hit-by-pitch, move the runners with no outs, score a runner from third with less than than two outs, a base hit, a six-pitch at-bat, not ending in a strikeout, nine-pitch at-bat. If it did end in a K, that was okay because we got nine pitches and then a catcher's interference. That was our rules for – um for quality at bat. Nice. Yep. Okay, right here. All right, so the biggest thing I, I wanna share right here was we went through a little time in our games where, you know, I just, I felt like every time we pulled in a pitcher, he just wasn't ready. Um, You know, it took him a couple of in or maybe an inning or a couple of batters. Well, man, if you're pulling somebody in off the bench, they gotta be ready to go. So, what we started doing was, and we kind of surprised them with this, sometimes we printed it in the in schedule so they would see it, and sometimes we didn't. But it would be my favorite was challenge two out of three. So, just right in the middle of a practice, we might have just got through doing tandem relays. All right, everybody in, let's bring it in and we're gonna gather around the mound and we're fixing to yell and kind of we're gonna go crazy on you as a picture because we're gonna make it tough on you, and we're gonna put a catcher back there with an umpire, one of my coaches. And you got to throw two out of the three right now for strikes. Hmm. Um, you're already loose, get on the mound and get it done. When we started doing that in our practices, you, th- you start thinking about that. You can use that in football, softball, basketball. You can come up with the things that you need to challenge them on right at the instant. And you just pick a player and they got to get up there and get it done. Once we started incorporating that into our practices, we started seeing our clutch performances, so to speak. I mean, so to speak improved when we when we brought a guy off the bench he was ready um when we pulled in a pinch hitter to come in and get it done he was ready we would do the same thing with a challenge we would say okay hey we got a runner on second no outs i'm pulling you in to pinch hit i need a ground ball or something hit backside so you can think about that with whatever sport that you're that you're coaching and apply that
0: i I'm think not- that really
1: changed for us that was good for us <coughs> Um, Brian, I may be wrong, and you probably correct me. I think Jack Leggett and Clemson was the first one that started doing the the uh, Omaha Challenge. The first one I remember,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: for, for me too, and that's really where we got it from. But for us in Mississippi, we play at Trustmark Park. So for us, we came up with the Trustmark Challenge. And, uh, you know, it's all about competing. That's all that this is about. We just want our kids to compete. So we would do this differently. Sometimes we'd do a couple of days. Sometimes we would take a block and do five or six of them. But um, give kind of give you an idea, see there's points over here that you see totaled, And then you've got, um, I believe it's three teams. i got something, yeah, I've got three teams here. And so we're, we're 210 to 200. We're, we're kind of running a close race here. Some of the things that I highlighted was farmer's walk. I loved it because we would take five gallon buckets, fill them full of water. They had to do an obstacle course carrying two buckets like farmer's walk up and down steps and all around You're timed and you can't lose the water penalties for both first, second and third place. But yeah, I mean, we'd have some fun. We'd do some ping pong. Hercules hold. It would be the, uh, you know, the on the, in the weight room with the towels hanging, you're hanging on the towels last to drop you lose or you learn from the hunt uh, Coach Stringer was always really good, one of our assistants, and he would do a, a scavenger hunt of the important things that happened last year at, at the baseball field. It would be various points on the field and all around, and we'd have kids running around. It was fun. And way for them to compete, though. And then, of course, tug-of-war. I'm going to get into a few more here in just a minute, too. Right here, one of my real favorites. I think any sport, any organization can do this. Um, what we would do, Ryan, is we would uh, in, we would go get. I would go to Walmart. and I'd buy maybe four puzzles that are the same. And out of the blue, our guys wouldn't know it was coming. I'd throw it down there on the floor and say, "Okay, this team, everybody, team up. You're going. Time starts now. Click, put it together." Mm-hmm. So you got these guys that are working, trying to put together a puzzle. Right? This is great for a rainy day, and you've been inside hitting for four days in a row already. All right, so now they're working as teammates, right? Then you come through and you say, okay, no communication. It's all nonverbal. You got to figure it out. Do that for a while. Then you find out who the leader is in each one. And you pull the leader. Pull the leader right out of the group. You're out. Now the team's got to learn how to develop a new leader. Somebody's got to emerge. Somebody's got to come up and be the new leader. That happens in life. You know, people are going to get hurt and injured. You got to find a way to overcome it. So this has a lot of ways you can reflect back <clears throat> to your um, to your game. You know, sometimes you got to get comfortable um, performing when you're uncomfortable. So we had a dance off where we had them had them dance in front of our cheerleaders. You're gonna see about four people that are really comfortable
2: and two that are extremely uncomfortable.
0: So they're performing in front of the cheerleaders.
1: Oh yeah, the cheerleaders are right on this side watching. They're judging.
0: They're the judges, love that. So this is your baseball team doing a dance-off to get comfortable being uncomfortable. There you go. Fantastic. So, so, the different team, different different people on the team had different skits that they had to go present. Brought, yeah, I like, love that.
1: There you go. We'll go ahead and get off of there. But so, so what they would do is, they're uh, you know, out of all the teams doing it, they're they're fighting for points because they're trying to win yeah. the Trust Mart Challenge. Yeah, I love that. Um, here's another one. We called it. I got. I was inspired after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Shopping, so we fill we fill our buggies full of uh, 18 pound med balls, and
2: they they're they truck, the trucking
1: around the the uh, the track. And I can assure you, when they get about halfway, they are gassed.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> The Black Friday Black Friday Trustmark Challenge. There you go. Walter Payton used to play on that football field, coach. He did. Yes, he did. Uh, I'm going to skip
1: through this because I know we're – we um, on about 10 minutes, Brian?
0: Uh, yeah, we're right about 10, yep. Yeah. All right. Middle, um,
1: this was a practice plan that we did. Uh, you know, the real important thing that I thought about this was, if you see, this was in 2011. Columbia High School, at that point, had never won a state championship before. Definitely not in football, but had not won one in any sport before. So we were going to start this year a ninth grader at third, a ninth grader at short, and a tenth grader at second. And I just believed, I don't know what it was, we were going to win it. This was going to be the year. And so if you'll look at 240 on our very first practice, practice one, we practiced uh, how to dog pile. Talk about visualization in your practice using the mental game. We actually taught our guys how to dog pile right there, and we talked about going from good to great in our pregame talk for the first practice of that year. And the coolest thing is later on we got the dog pile at Trustmark Park just like what we talked about. So, um, Brian, you ain't, you ain't uh, it's gonna, just it's gonna bring back a memory. Brian came and uh, worked out with our team one day here. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna show the whole thing, but I want you to try to hear what's going on, what's Brian, what Brian is saying during this. Another way of incorporating mental game into your workout.
2: Yo, what's the S? Oh, no,
0: you got video. Am I in there? Oh, yeah, you're coming up, man. Oh, man. So they're doing a little circuit training, and they've now. If you take a look at this, if you pause it real quick, coach, you'll see like they've got uh, they've got you know like signs there, right? That they got to look at and kind of reinforce around the weight room, right? The mindsets. Right. So the mindsets are at a station. Every station has a piece of paper that they would say when they were working out there,
2: There's right? The so this is.
0: Like, so like they would they would they would be like where the guys doing the TRX it would say like big body language, right? Where the guy back there, look at that, where the guys you know hitting uh the different station, they'd have to say what it is. So they're getting they're getting mental reps as they're working through the station, having to call out what uh so they might say like we compete one pitch at a time. They might say body language focused and self-talk, they might say wildcats today, wildcats for life, and they kinda go through it. That's right.
1: And you know, Brian, through that, you're going, what's the yes? And everybody's yelling selfless.
0: Yeah, they're reinforcing the CATS principles.
1: Right. So, a great way to incorporate mental game into your workouts and in your practice. Right here, Brian, I'm going to give you just a second. I'm going to give you a second to talk about this because uh, one more O to Ole Miss right here. But go ahead, Brian.
0: Yeah. Well, you tell me what you remember about this, man. Were you there for that? No, I, I wasn't here. I wasn't here,
1: but I did get the picture. I know that you shared it with me, but it's pretty – it's pretty crazy
0: pretty crazy yeah so so I was at Old Miss baseball and one of the things that Skip Bertman used to talk about as a baseball coach at LSU is he'd call on every player in his office and you could take this and use this I wouldn't I would not use what I did with the old Miss baseball team here but I would use this concept so Skip Bertman would call on his players and he would have a rope hanging off of his desk and he would say Greg if you were hanging off of a cliff and the only thing that was holding you from your sheer death, falling off of the magnitude of this cliff was this rope and the person on the other end of the rope. And the person on the other end of that rope was either so committed to you that they were going to go over the cliff with you or they were going to pull you back up and find a way. Who would that person be for you, Greg? And as he would ask people, they'd say, "I oh, it'd be my dad or it'd be my brother or it'd be my roommate or it'd be, you know, per- someone they believe in with faith, whatever it was. And we always come back, and you know, afterwards, and you would say, "Look, if we can create a team that, as long as it says LSU baseball on the chest of the person who's holding on to another end of the rope, you know they're going to be all in with you. You know, you know they're going to go over the cliff with you, or you know that they're going to pull you up to safety because they're going to give every last bit of themselves to you." there's a documentary on the sec network now you can probably find it on youtube i'd imagine but on the definitely sec network if you search skip burtman hold the rope it's the whole story behind him and the mental game in that decade of dominance where they won five national titles at lsu and omaha And they worked with my mentor, Ken Revisa. Mike Bianco, who you see here was a catcher on one of those national championship teams for Skip. And he was an assistant coach, I believe on two national championships at LSU. His son now has one son playing at LSU. And one, I think Michael playing at LSU, his son Ben, I believe is playing at Louisville. Coach Bianco coaching right now in Omaha, man, with Ole Miss playing in a game right now. So that year, I think this was 2000 and we played Virginia in a Super Regional, I wanna say 2009 at uh, at, at Ole Miss. And they have a rope in the weight room and that rope is you know, on the wall and they're climbing the rope in the weight room. And I said, coach, do you think we could take that rope down? We could put it around the waist and we could have the team hold the rope. So this is at the top of the bleachers. He's like probably 80 feet in the air. Imagine a 100 foot rope, 80 feet in the air. The other 20 feet, every guy on the team is holding onto that rope and they're on the bleachers walking that way. So the guys in the bleachers are walking that way. Bianco's coming up. As the guys walk back, he comes up. As they go this way, they lower him down. Mm. And you know, you can see he's got the batting gloves there holding on to that. I mean, there's no, there's no forgiveness if that rope breaks. There's no forgiveness if he lets go. There's no forgiveness if he slips out of the harness that that thing is in. And as they put various coaches and players in there, it's one thing to say hold the rope to literally going. If my teammates all let go of this rope right now, I'm falling 80 feet. Do I trust that they're going to hold on to me? Now, I would not recommend you do this with your team, but I would recommend you do the hold the rope activity. uh, And then you can do instead of pulling them up to an 80 foot ledge, you have them all hold the rope and they have to run holding on to the rope as fast as they can together down and back. They have to do push-ups where they, like, they would do, I would do this now, G, where they all have the rope on their hands, they would do a push-up and then they all have to like power clean the rope together over their head, go down almost like a burpee with the rope in their hands and they have to do it in unison. And what happens is they gotta get like five perfect reps or maybe even one perfect rep with it. But it's the concept of hold the rope that you then see on T-shirts. You know, you'll see it throughout programs. And it's something that Skip Burtman was doing back in the 90s. And here we are talking about it, 2022. And the documentary is about that. So that's, that's this picture here. And uh, I think that smile from Mike is, is, is a smile as much about, holy cow, why am I doing this as it is about, <laughs> I'm glad my teammate pulled me to the top. But, you know, the concept, right? You talk about the mental game and some of the things we're doing here. And I know we have some people on here who don't follow college baseball Let me put this in context 2022 all misses at one point in the season in March, the number one team in the country. Then they get into SEC SEC conference play the best conference in college baseball and they're in the SEC West okay Texas A&M won the SEC West there's four out of the eight teams in the College World Series from the SEC West there's six teams. And the one team that didn't make the NCAA tournament from the SEC West is Mississippi State they won it all last year. And the other team is Alabama, right? So you got Ole Miss, Auburn, A&M, Arkansas, in Omaha, four teams out of six from the same half of the SEC. So they play in the, in the toughest league in the country. And Coach Bianco, they're 7-14 and 14 in conference. They're talking about, like, this is the letdown. They were number one in the country. Now they're not ranked. This is the year that Bianco should be fired, the whole thing. They go to the SEC tournament. They lose their first game. They're the last team. They're 64, of, they're 64 out of 64 teams to get in the NCAA tournament like people said they shouldn't even be in the tournament. And I don't know what the score is right now, but they're 1-0 in Omaha going into today's game. And when he said in the press conference yesterday, like I'm as excited to watch the press conference as the game in the press conference, he says, when you get to the NCAA tournament, everybody's 0-0. Everyone has a thousand batting average and everyone has a zero ERA. And our team realizes that uh, you know, We've not played in the SEC all year. We've played against the game. And as we've played against the game, we've learned a lot of things along the way. And we're now starting to put a lot of those things together because we've shown signs all year of being able to hit, being able to play small ball, hit for power, pitch, play defense, base run. And we're finally putting it all together. When we put it all together, we believe that we can be the best team in the country. Mm. Hold the rope.
1: 365 planning. <clears throat> so this is – this right here is just something that you can do. Um, you know, I found myself, my my assistants wasn't getting there quick enough. They were in classes. It's the life of a high school coach. You're not always going to have them there. This was something that I could go to every August to September, um, which was a time of no baseball throwing for us. We just simply, um, we worked med balls. This was our outdoor workout. I think for most teams, this top half would be the whole workout for the day. Um, but for us, it was kind of, like we, you know, our guys were gassed after this. And then we went to the bottom part, and now we're, re- we're warm. You know, we're loose. Now we can go to the weight room. That's the way we looked at it. Um, and so you kind of see how we did that. This, this whole top area, I can work easily 20, 25 guys out with no problem. all All circled up around me with these drills going. Here's just another example of a, you know, we tweaked it, did it a little different another year. Um, this would be some of the things that would go Son, on. Let's skip a series. We're as we grabbing can. burgers
0: for dinner, if you're interested. Uh, I'm V.
1: This is a great drill right there footwork.
3: Struggle on more. Notice how quick the arm is redirected. Just drive into the next one. Here, this head's gonna go under and back up. That is outstanding.
2: One.
1: Brian, you get I don't want to play the whole video yeah, yeah. I know we're kind of getting, getting close here let me see if I can get back there we go but I can I can get all of those things going around me we know we, we're sledgehammering tires we're mallets on a tire we're med balls on pounding them into a wall those are just kind of things that we can do there in that practice flow um then that I just kind of showed how that equated to my 168. You talked about how it changed, or I talked about earlier how it changes you. Well, you know, all of the practice planning and the practice organization then leads to, well, how do you do it in your life now? And, you know, for us, it's through our 168 where we can plan it out and have everything detailed out. Um, life prep, I think this a concept 10. You know, this was always a big thing for me and in, uh, in what we stood for. You know, a lot of the guys that we would coach, not just at that school, but in our state and across, man, there's a lot of lot of kids that don't have fathers there with them um, or role models in their home. So as a coach, we had to model that. So, you know, we always felt it was more important than us teaching a fundamental. For instance, uh, let me give you an example. If you're if you came to one of our practices and we're all of our coaches are, are working different groups. When one of our children came, our wives or our family as a group, when they came to a practice, it was just understood that I'm going to stop. I'm going to run over here and give about three to four, maybe five minutes with my family. The practice is still going to go on, and then our guys get to see how we treat our wife and how we treat our family so that they see the importance of family first. That was a big thing that we would do. Um, I, I just think it's a great concept, um, and, it's a, and it's a way to, like you said, role model um, those expectations we have for them later on in life.
0: Hmm.
1: Monday motivation, um, we would bring different people in um, on Mondays. We would, uh, would hear Sarah Thomas, NFL referee. She came in and talked to our, our team about um, making decisions in heated moments, making calls and going, you know, trusting your instincts and trusting your knowledge and what you've planned. And then, you're, you know, as an NFL referee, you've got to make that call. Well, how do you do it? So she kind of went with the step, taught the steps of that. Um, Jacob Webb, as you can see, he's legally blind. He came and talked to our team one day about how to see without seeing, you know, mm-hmm. it, tuning into your senses as a player or as a person in life, how are you going to how are you going to be able to be successful? You you may not always see it. So you got to tune into your other sin your other senses. Man, that was beautiful. Great way. Great learning uh, time for our guys. Those were just some examples of Monday Monday motivations. It would be people typically outside of baseball that we wanted for us. And then our our whole pitching thing was pitching to colors, but. Uh, man, I heard uh, Coach Robichaud, uh, I, I, I heard, um, heard him talk a couple of times, and I wanted him to come to our, our – I wanted to go here and, you know, take our coaches there. And, uh, man, what a classy guy. He said, uh, you know, why don't I just come to you? I mean, so this guy's at Louisiana Lafayette, and he drives over to Columbia High School, and he sits down and he talks to us. I thought we were going to learn about pitching. We learned about how to develop a young boy into a man. That's all we talked about. Um, so, you know, we are forever indebted to that and what he did for us there. Um, <clears throat> Brad, I don't know how much time we got. I can continue on or we can talk or questions, but if anybody wants any of the slides, I've got this, and I'll send you that PowerPoint if you don't
0: have it already. Yeah, I think I'd like to like – to, obviously, Greg, I know, I know how connected you are to Ole Miss baseball. I want to cut you loose to be able to watch that game. Uh, I want to respect our, our Coaching Matters Group Coaching you know program uh, the, our coach's time for being on here and most importantly man I want to say thank you for for bringing those ten principles around practice planning and development to the the Coaching Matters Group Coaching program I thought it was tremendous so you know any any questions that people have for Greg if you want to drop them inside of the chat or obviously here you see his email address gowen at starkvilleisd.com as well as a cell phone number and Greg if you uh, email me the PowerPoint slide but I'll be able to do is take that and i'll link that to the show notes for the youtube video as well as the podcast so anybody who's who's catching this on the youtube video you'll find those slides below anybody who wants to go back and get the the um you know recording through the podcast you'll have those slides to go along as well and you know greg i'd like to as as we're giving our our coaches here any opportunities to to submit any questions i want to ask you just one last question here and i'm gonna i'm gonna uh ask you if, if you could you know Take the skull cap of everybody who's on this call. Remove the skull cap, and, and probably need to find a better uh, visual for this. But it's it, bear with me. If you could remove the skull cap of everybody and plant one seed of knowledge that would germinate in their brain, that they would go do, not something maybe that they would think, but something that they would do, that would help them to be a better coach. And whether you look at this from your perspective as a state championship winning coach, you look from it as being around guys like Tony Robichaux, Mike Bianco, Skip Bertman, or you look at it now in your position as an athletic director. If you had to plant one seed of success with our coaches here in Coaching Matters on our last call in season one, last call in season one, coach, what would that seed of success be? Bring it home for us. Man, I, I've got you right here. I think, Brian, man,
1: I, in my quiet time, I'm just going to have to go here with it. In my quiet time this morning, I was sitting here thinking, you know, you know, God, what do you want me to be? What do you, you know, tell me, give me, give me your will for me. And, 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 and lead me, man, I said, tell me exactly what you want me to do, Brian, I got a text right then, I looked down at the text just to see, and it was a Bible verse, and I was like, this is, this is incredible, I looked down, and it says, you know, it talks about being doers of the word, so what I want to leave you with this is, yes, spiritually, let's, let's be doers of the world, of the word, but and tying it into this, how about we, we all have ideas and all, we all have things we want to do, right? But instead of rambling through all of the things that we can do, let's make sure we focus in on the things that are going to, be, that are going to make, make us successful on and off the field and make sure that we commit to being a doer of those things hmm. instead of just letting them be random thoughts in our head that flash through like a great idea. I think it's more of a deal of being a doer of what we believe in. And that comes from understanding your why. You know, why are you coaching? Why are you leading this company? For me and what I do, it's the development of a young boy into a man or the young girl into a lady and using a sport to to teach it. That's what Mm. it comes down to for me. So for me, it's understanding my why and doing it.
0: Yeah, and I love how you, you know, I heard you say one time, and I'm not sure you even remember saying this, but I remember one time I think we were having some like gumbo or something after doing a deal in Columbia, Mississippi at your high school. And you said, Canner, what I'm really doing is I'm running a leadership and life development program that plays baseball. That's right. And I just always thought that was such an awesome perspective, right? Is that you are literally teaching these guys, some that many of which that come from broken homes, about how to live their life, how to be successful through the game of baseball. And I think for our coaches if you can realize that as a high school coach like you can't recruit, you don't always control you you, you can influence but you can't control the outcome of the game at any level, especially high school because you can't recruit. You're always going to be underfunded, you're always going to have the, not as much talent as you want to have, but see through all that and see the power that you have through educational athletics to truly transform lives of the people who are in your program and to be a high school coach and to be a coach is the greatest gift that you can have because you have the opportunity every single day to impact lives through what you do. So people are going to follow, they're gonna follow more of what you do than what you say, but you have to be a model to see and give them a motto to say because of the power of your words. So Greg Owen, let's be a doer. And make sure as a matter of the coaching matters as a member of the coaching matters community. I want you to be a doer and realize that this is this is the end of season one, and if you want to continue with coaching matters, which I hope you do if you take a look at our chat you're going to see that. um, You know there's a link in there that you can click on to 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 contact a member of, of our fundraising university team to find out more about how to get involved with coaching matters and be a part of not only our monthly. Coaching Matters call, but also our monthly uh, Power Hour call, where I go through a deep dive into one of the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery and how you can use that as a leader, as a coach, as a business owner and entrepreneur. So Coach Owen, man, thank you for being here. Go Rebs, go Jackets, and dominate the day, brother. Thank you for being here, and thanks everybody for joining us in season one of Coaching Matters. Special thanks to Fundraising University CEO and President Mike Bahoon on making this happen and being able to bring this great educational program, a coach's clinic every other week for the last year, man. It's been one of the highlights of my life, Uh, bringing that to everybody across the country. It's been super fun. So thanks everyone for being here. Dominate the day. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks everybody. Thanks for checking out this week's coaching matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.